0: Chapter Six of The Jungle Girl by Gordon Casserly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. A border outpost. What a beautiful spot! Thought Frank as he gazed entranced at the scenery. I never seen anything like it it looks like heaven after the ugliness of rohar and how delightfully cool it is too up in the mountains well with this climate and good shooting in the forest below life won't be as dreadful as i thought i wish poor violet were here out of the heat and glare how she'd love all this beauty these trees these gardens the glorious mountains he sighed as he thought of the woman who was so far away huzzor that is the mess broke in the voice of his mahout as he pointed to a long red-tiled building half hidden among the trees a few hundred feet above them To reach it they had to pass a large, well-built stone bungalow, two-storied, unlike all the others, and standing in a lovely garden, glowing with the vivid hues of the flowers, the flaming red of huge bushes of bougainvillea and poinsettia. Frank, glancing towards it, was about to ask the mahout who lived in it when he started in horror and cried to the man stop stop you animal look there and he snatched at his rifle for on the farther side of the house a huge tusker elephant in the garden stood over a little european boy about four years old who was sprawling almost under the huge feet and high above its head the brute held in its curved trunk a younger child a girl with long golden curls as if about to dash it to the ground as frank grasped the rifle the mahout who had turned at his cry seized the barrel and said with a smile duramut sahib do not fear sir those are Durumut Sahib's babies, and the elephant is their playmate. And as he spoke, Wargrave saw the elder child spring up from the ground and beat the great animal's legs with his tiny hands, crying, Mooch, kobe, badsha, mooch, kobe, uth, uth, me too, Badsh me too take me up and the baby held aloft was crowing in glee and kicking its fat little legs frantically the elephant lowered it tenderly to the ground and picked up the boy in its steed and lifted him into the air while he laughed and clapped his hands the two mahouts raised their palms respectfully to their foreheads and cried to their animals salam kuro salute and the two trunks were lifted together in the salamat the royal salute given to kings and viceroys franks mahout explained garib parwar protector of the poor the pagan ignorant hindus around here say that the elephant is a god a, eh? and that his master mut sahib is one too that's like enough well allah alone knows the truth of everything but those two are more than mere man and animal that is certain mulmoti go on pearl and he kicked his elephant under the ears with his bare feet to quicken her pace but frank bade him stop despite the man's optimism he could not believe it wise to allow tiny tots like that to play with such a huge clumsy animal he was sure that their mother would be horrified if she knew it he loved children and felt that it was madness to allow these babies to continue their dangerous pastime have they a mother he asked the mahout yes huzor the mem sahib lady is doubtless within the house i want to dismount said frank as he grasped the sir Engel rope as the elephant sank jerkily to its knees then sliding down from the pad he entered the gate and passed through the garden towards the bungalow as he did so a dainty little figure in white a charmingly pretty girl with golden hair and blue eyes came out on the veranda seeing him she walked down the steps to meet him and held out her hand saying in a pleasant musical voice you are Mr. Wargrave, of course, welcome to Rangador Frank, uncomfortably curious of his dishevelled appearance and travel-stained attire, almost blushed as he took off his hat and quickened his steps to meet her, wondering who this delightful young girl she looked about nineteen could be possibly an elder sister of the children outside. But as they shook hands, she said, I am the wife of the political officer here. My husband, Colonel Dermont, has just gone up to the mess to see your C.O., Major Hunt. Frank was astonished. The pretty young girl, scarcely more than a child herself, the mother of the two chubby babies, touched by her kind manner he shook her hand warmly and said thank you very much for your welcome mrs dermot it's awfully good of you and i i assure you i appreciate it a lot just now i was coming to tell you i wonder do you know that your babies i suppose they are yours are playing what seems to me rather a dangerous game with an elephant at the side of the house! Mrs. Dermot smiled, and the dimples that came with the smile carried his mind back for an instant to Violet. "'Yes, they are my chicks,' she said. "'I left them in Bansha's charge.' Frank was not altogether reassured. The young mother evidently did not know what was happening. "'But pardon me!' is it quite safe i was a bit scared when i saw them the animal was tossing them up in the air you needn't be alarmed mr wargrave though it's very good of you to be concerned and come tell me she replied but bad Shah, that's the elephant's name is a most careful nurse and i know that my babies are quite safe when they are in his care he has looked after them since they were able to crawl come and be introduced to him i must tell you that he is a very exceptional animal indeed we almost forgot that he is an animal he has saved our lives my husband's and mine on more than one occasion next to the children and me i think that kevin loves him better than anyone or anything else in the world and after my chicks and kevin and my brother i believe i do too as for the babies i'm not sure that he doesn't come first with them she led the way round the house and in spite of her assurances wargrave felt a little nervous when they came in sight of the strange nurse and its charges the tiny girl was seated on the ground tightly clasping one huge foreleg while the boy was beating the other with his little fists crying mukako uth peer, peer, lift me up again and again when he saw his mother he ran to her and said Mommy, bad naughty banshaw won't lift me up he suddenly caught sight of the stranger and paused shyly brian darling this is a new friend and his mother bending down to him won't you shake hands with him the child conquered his shyness with an effort and walked over to frank holding out his little hand how do you do he said politely the subaltern gravely shook the proffered hand the little girl scrambled to her fat little legs and finger in mouth surveyed him solemnly then satisfied with her inspection she toddled forward to him and said tis me frank laughed joyously with all my heart you darling she cried this delightful welcome in the dreadful place of exile, was inexpressively cheering. He swung the dainty mite up in his arms and kissed her. She put her arms around his neck and hugged him. Me like oo, she said. You little flirt, Eileen exclaimed. Her mother laughing. Now it's Badshaw's turn. She walked to the elephant a splendid specimen of its race though it had only one tusk the right she held out her hand to it the long trunk shot out brushed her fingers and then her cheek with a light touch that was almost a caress she stroked the trunk affectionately now badshah this is a new sahib frank with the baby girl seated on his shoulders stepped forward and extended his hand the animal smelt it and then laid its trunk for a moment on his free shoulder Badshah accepts you mr wargrave said mrs dermot seriously and there are few whom he takes too readily eileen with one arm around frank's neck stretched out the other to the elephant me love badsha she said the snake-like trunk lingered caressingly on her golden head the baby caught it and kissed it now then chickies time for bed said their mother say good night to badsha the little boy ran to the great animal and hugged its leg tightly while the snaky trunk touched the child's face affectionately come along brian let him go now and at his mother's bidding the boy released his clasp and ran to her good night badshah Salam," said mrs dermot waving her hand to the mammoth while her little daughter on wargrave's shoulder imitated her the big animal raised its trunk in salute, and turning, walked with swaying stride out of sight behind the bungalow. "'By Jove, what a splendid beast!' exclaimed Frank, and how wonderfully well-trained he is! I'm not surprised now that you let the kiddies play with him!' Mrs. Dermot smiled. You would be even less so if you knew his story, she said. He is my husband's private property now. The government of India presented him to Kevin. Now come back to the house and have tea. Oh, no, after your long ride, you'll prefer a whiskey and soda. i really rather have the tea, I think, Mrs. Dermot. I don't feel thirsty up in this deliciously cool air it's awful down in the plains now but what about my elephants and baggage tell the mahouts to go to the mess you are to have a room there frank did so and the two animals lumbered away up the hill after the mahouts had brought the colonel's guns into the bungalow mrs dermot led the way into the house the little boy had possessed himself of Wargrave's free hand the other one being engaged in holding eileen who was perched on the subaltern's shoulder mrs dermot found it difficult to separate the children from their new friend when at last she bore them off to bed left to himself frank examined with deep interest and admiring envy the splendid display of colonel dermot's trophies of big-game shooting that filled the bungalow from the walls many heads of bison and buffalo of sambler and Barra singh those fine indian stags looked mildly at him with their glass eyes while tigers, bears, and panthers snarled at him from the ground. Long elephant tusks leaned in corners, smoking and liqueur tables made up from the mammoth legs, and feet stood about, and crossed from ceiling to floor on the walls were the skins of enormous snakes such as Frank had never seen or imagined. He had thought a six-foot cobra or an eight-foot python long. Here were reptiles sixteen or eighteen feet in length, and he hoped that he would never meet their equals alive in the jungle. While he was gazing with admiration at the fine collection of trophies, Mrs. Dermot returned. "'What a magnificent lot of heads and skins you've got here!' he exclaimed. "'All your husbands, I suppose?' She laughed as she glanced around the room, while pouring out the tea that her butler had brought. "'I'm afraid they make the house rather like a museum of natural history,' she answered. "'Yes, they are all Kevin's, or—' nearly all. There are a few of mine among them. He looked at her in open admiration. Oh, you shoot! How splendid! he said. Have you ever got a tiger? A couple, she replied, smiling. I envy you awfully, he said. i never even seen one out of a cage. Well, if you are keen on shooting, Mr. Wargrave, you ought to have little difficulty in begging a tiger or two before long, she said. I'd love to have the chance of going after big game. I'm hoping for it here. Shall I? I've never had any, although I've shot a panther or two and a few black buck and chinkara." You will have every opportunity of good sport here. Neither of the other two Europeans, your commanding officer and the doctor of your detachment, go in for it. The latter because his sight is very bad. Major Hunt because he doesn't care for it. I'm sure my husband will be glad to take you out with him. And nobody in the whole Terai knows more about big game than he. "'By Jove, how ripping!' exclaimed Frank eagerly. "'Would he?' "'I'm sure he would. He'll be only too delighted to have someone for company. I used to go with him always until my babies came. Now Kevin has no one but Badshah.' "'Badshah? Oh, yes, that ripping elephant.' I don't know much about those animals, but isn't it unusual for him to have only a single tusk? Yes, Badshah is what the natives call a Ganesh. You know that Ganesh is the Hindu god of wisdom and is represented as having an elephant's head with only the right tusk consequently any of these animals born with a single tusk, and that the rite is considered sacred and looked upon as a god. One of the Mahouts said that the Hindus here regard your husband as one too, said Frank, and he seemed inclined to believe it himself. I like the name they've given Colonel Dermot. Mut Sahib. Fear not Sahib. A look of pride came in the young wife's eyes as she repeated the name softly to herself. Fear not Sahib. Yes, it suits him. Then aloud she continued. I think you'll like my husband, Mr. Wargrave. All men do. He's a man's man." the hill and jungle people worship him he understands them ah here he is i think her face brightened and frank saw the light of love shine in her eyes as she turned expectantly to the door he sprang up as a tall man with handsome clear-cut figures dark complexion and eyes and close-cropped black hair touched at the temples with grey, entered the room. With a pleasant smile the newcomer walked towards the subaltern with outstretched hand, saying in a friendly voice, "'Glad to welcome you to duar Wargrave.' "'Thank you very much, sir,' replied Frank, gripping his hand and greatly taken at once.' By the political officer's appearance and friendly manner it was very kind of you to send those guns for me but i had no luck we saw nothing on the way after greeting him colonel dermot bent over his wife and kissed her fondly it was obvious to the subaltern that after their five years of married life they were lovers still frank looked at them a little enviously he wondered would it be so with violet and him after the same lapse of time for the sight of their happiness sent his thoughts flying to the woman who loved him are you keen on shooting wargrave said the colonel oh yes he is kevin broke in his wife i told him that i was sure you'd be glad to take him with you into the jungle sometimes i'd be happy to do so if you care to come with me wargrave said the colonel i'd love to sir it would be awfully good of you replied the subaltern eagerly but I've only a man-leaker rifle. Ah, you'll need a bigger bore than that. But I can lend you a four-seventy high-velocity cordite weapon. You want something with great hitting power for dangerous game? Said Dermot. He went on to speak of the jungle and its denizens and his conversation was so interesting that Wargrave forgot the flight of time until his hostess reminded him that he had to report his arrival to his commanding officer and find his new quarters. Her husband volunteered to show him the way to the mess and introduce him to Major Hunt. As Wargrave shook hands with Mrs. Dermott, she said, I wanted to ask you to dinner this evening, but Kevin thought you might prefer to spend your first night with your brother officers, but we shall expect you tomorrow when they are coming too. On their way up the steep road from his bungalow, the political officer spoke of the great forest below them and the sport to be found in it. Then he said... It's lucky you like shooting, Wargrave, for Ranga is very isolated and life is it dull to a person who has no resources. Still, it has its advantages and chief among them is the climate. It's delightful in the cold weather and pleasant in the hot. By Jove, it is indeed, sir, It's like heaven after the heat in the plains below. I don't know how I lived through it coming across India. The rainy season is the hardest to bear. We have five months of it and over 300 inches of rain during them. One never sees a strange face then. Not that we ever do have many visitors here at any time still you'd like your c o and burke the doctor is a capital fellow here we are he turned in through a narrow gate leading to a pretty though neglected garden in which stood the mess a long single-storied building raised on piles On the broad wooden veranda to which a flight of steps led from the ground, two men were reclining in long chairs, reading old newspapers. On seeing Dermot and his companion, they rose, and the colonel introduced Frank. They shook hands with him and gave him a hearty welcome, which, coming on the top of the Dermots, cheered the subaltern exceedingly and for the first time made him forget the circumstances of his coming it's mighty glad i am to see you here wargrave said burke the doctor in a mellow brogue and ave it's only to have some one living in the mess with me the major there lives in solitary state in his little bungalow and I'm all alone here at night with shaitans, devils, and wild beasts walking on the veranda. What? Has that panther been prowling round the mess again? asked the political officer. Faith, and he has that. Sure, I heard him sniffing at Midor last night, i wish to the powers ye'd shoot him sir i can't get him i've tried often enough troth and it's waking up one fine morning i'll be to find he's made a meal of me keep your door shut at night wargrave merrick who lived in the room you'll have forgot to do it once and the devil nearly had him is that really a fact asked frank delighted at the thought of having come to a place with such possibilities of sport yes we're plagued by a brute of a panther that prowls about the station at night jumps the wall of the fort and carries off the sepoys dogs and has actually entered rooms here in the mess he has killed several bhutia children on the hills around here nobody can ever get a shot at him he's too cunning will you have a drink colonel said hunt the political officer thanked him but declined and reminding them all of his wife's invitation for the morrow them good-night that's one of the finest men in india exclaimed bert as they watched dermot's figure receding down the road the doctor had a pleasant ugly face and wore spectacles he is indeed he keeps the whole bhutan border in order said the commandant major hunt a slight, grey-haired man with a quiet and reserved manner. The Buhatias are more afraid of a cross look from him than of all our rifles and machine guns. Have a drink, Wargrave. Yes, and you, Burke. Hey, boy. A Gurkha servant with the ugly, cheery face of his race appeared and was ordered to bring three whiskies and sodas. Ranga's not a bad place if you can stand the lowliness, continued the major. Are you fond of shooting? Yes, sir, awfully. Hooray, that's good, cried Burke. Now we'll have someone to go down to the jungle and shoot for the mess. We want a change from tin army rations and the tough old tins that these benighted heathens call chickens yes you'll be a godsend to us if you're a good shot wargrave added the commandant we never get meat here unless someone shoots a stag or a buck in the jungle and for that we generally have to rely on dermot but he is away such a lot "'wandering along the frontier, keeping an eye on the peace of the border. "'Now we'll be able to look to you. "'We have three transport elephants with the detachment, all steady to shoot from.' "'Frank was delighted. "'I'd love to go into the jungle if you'll let me, sir.' "'Yes, I'll be glad if you do.' There's not much work for you here, and this is a dull place for a youngster unless he's keen on sport. I'm not myself. Burke's as blind as a bat. But you can always have an elephant when they aren't wanted to bring up supplies from the railway." The subaltern thanked him gratefully and inwardly decided that his new commanding officer was a great improvement on Colonel Trevor. Now, Burke, I'm off to my bungalow. Show Wargrave his quarters, said the Major, rising. See you at dinner. Burke showed the subaltern his room, one of the four into which the mess was divided. Like the doctor's quarters, it was at one end of the building, the center apartment being the officer's ante-room and dining-room. Frank found that his boy, with the ready deafness of Indian servants, had unpacked his trunks, hung up his clothes, and stowed his various belongings about the scantily furnished room. He had stood Violet's photo, on the one rickety table, and laid out his master's white mess uniform on the small iron cot. Major Hunt, Wargrave learned, lived in a bungalow a few hundred yards away, but being unmarried, took his meals in the mess. The Indian officers and sepoys of the detachment were quartered in barracks in the fort frank dressed and entered the ante-room or officer's sitting-room from which a door led into the mess-room both apartments were poorly furnished but the walls were adorned with the skulls and skins of many beasts of the jungle presented by colonel dermot as frank learned shells filled with books ran across one end of the ante-room as the interior of the mess was rather hot at that time of year though to Wargrave it seemed very cool after rohar the dinner table was laid on the veranda and while the officers sat at their meal the pleasant mountain breeze played about them frank thought with gratitude of the escape from the burning heat which at that moment was tormenting the hundreds of millions in the furnace of the plains of india stretching away from the foot of the cool hills the meal was not luxurious for it consisted almost exclusively of tin provisions fresh meat being unprocurable in rangadar except fowls of exceeding toughness and vegetables and bread being rare dainties during dinner wargrave learned how completely isolated his new station was their only european neighbors were the planters on tea gardens scattered about in the great forest below the nearest thirty miles off The few visitors that Ranga saw in the year were the general on his annual inspection, an occasional officer of the Indian civil service, the public works or the forest department, or some planter friend of the Dermots. The reason of the existence of the outpost and its garrison was the guarding of the Dwaras or passes through the Himalayas against raiders from Bhutan, that little known independent state, lying between Tibet and Bengal border. Its frontier was only two miles from and a few thousand feet above Rangodwar. You are just in time for our one yearly burst of gaiety, Wargrave, said the commandant. The visit of the Deb Zimpun. "'What on earth is that, sir?' asked the subaltern. "'Sounds like a new disease, doesn't it?' said Burke, laughing. "'But it isn't. The Deb Zimpun is a gentleman of high degree, the hereditary cup-bearer to the Deb Rajah.' "'To the what?' demanded the bewildered Frank. Major Hunt smiled. Bhutan is supposed to be ruled by a temporal monarch called the Deb Raja and also by a spiritual one known in India as the Dharma Raja in reality it is under the sway of the most powerful of the several great feudal lords of the land the Tongsa penop or chief of Tongska whom we regard as the Maharaja of Bhutan. He has placed himself as far only as the foreign relations of the country go, under the suzerainty of the government of India, and in return we grant him a subsidy of a lakh of rupees in a year it used to be fifty thousand but the sum was doubled years ago to get the money one of the state council comes every year he is an official called the dem Zapoon. faith he's a rum old beggar wargrave broke in burke looks like the pope of rome in his triple crown for he wears a high gold-edged cap and a flowing red robe of chinese silk out of which sticks a pair of hairy bare legs the political officer receives him in dubar and we furnish a guard of honor the colonel gives a dinner to him and us and we have another spread in the mess that reminds me i suppose dermot will be going into the jungle soon to shoot for the pot as the derber is next week you'd better get him to take you you can have one of our elephants and provide for our larder thanks very much major said the delighted subaltern the colonel promised to let me accompany him and lend me a rifle when he went to his room that night the subaltern turned up the oil lamp that lighted it and before he undressed sat down before violet's photograph as he looked at it he thought affectionately and a little sadly of the lonely woman so far away from him now he pitied her for the isolation in which she lived an isolation far completer than his own, for she had few friends, no intimates, and a husband worse than a stranger in his lack of understanding of her. Surely it would be only right to take her from such a man, right to give her a fresh chance of finding the happiness that she had missed, For the warm-hearted, intelligent, and artistic-natured woman would be far happier with him in this beautiful spot, remote from the world though it was, and his new comrades would appeal to her, Dermot, strong, capable, one who would always stand out from his fellows, Hunt, grave, kindly, well-read, burke-witty, clever, and good-hearted. And little though Violet cared for her own sex, as a rule, surely in Mrs. Dermot she would find a friend. This happy wife, this loving mother, was so sweet and sympathetic that she would win the older woman's liking, while the two delightful children would take her heart by storm poor lonely Violet, so beautiful, so ill-fated. Frank sighed as he took up her portrait and kissed it. When he extinguished the lamp and lay down in bed, it was pleasant, after the heat in Rohar, to find it so cool that he was obliged to pull a blanket over him. Only those who have endured the torment of hot nights in the tropics, can appreciate his thankfulness as in the silence broken only by the monotonous cry of the night jars he drowsed contentedly to sleep. Already he was reconciled to ranga Dewar. End of chapter 5